Darnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25. Cuts it inside. 30. 35. 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer. But they're not going to. Nix is back. Throws it downfield. Caught. Touchdown, Williams. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Auburn Today podcast. As always, my name is Noah. I'm joined here with my co-host, Wheeler. Today, we have a really fun episode ahead of us with Auburn football officially being back. The Tigers are 1-0 after a 59-14 victory over UMass. And, you know, it, it was a really fun weekend, really fun, you know, to have college football back. But to get into Auburn's matchup, I'll let Wheeler kind of guide us into it with his analysis. But Wheeler, just kind of what, what were the biggest things that stood out to you uh, about that week one game? And really, what did you expect to see that you did? What did you expect to see that you didn't? Kind of what where are you at after that week one game against Massachusetts? Well, I think we said last week, there was not going to be anything that the team could do this week that was going to make us more hopeful for the rest of the season. The only thing they could do is stuff that would make us less hopeful or neutral. Um, I thought the offense looked better than I was expecting it to. Um, specifically, I was impressed by the receivers, you know, just catching the ball. I didn't think that there were any bad drops. Um, and that's something we hadn't seen in a couple of years. Um, obviously coach freeze mentioned that he didn't love the routes, you know, without us knowing exactly what the routes are, it's hard to analyze kind of how they did there, but just blatantly obvious, they were able to catch the ball. That's an improvement from where we've been. I thought that the offensive line was a tremendous step up and I know that it's against UMass, but <clears throat> if you think the pa- think back the past couple of years, I mean, the reason that the Georgia Southern game was such a close game and TJ Finley had to come in at the end is because the offensive line wasn't getting a push against teams like that. You even go back to the Akron game a couple of years ago, the offensive line was not getting a push like that. So I thought the offensive line getting a push was awesome. I think it's super interesting that we're playing eight to nine offensive linemen. I think that's going to be massive for recruiting um, more offensive linemen and retaining talent on the team um, defensively. Man, it was uh, – I know that the starters only gave up seven points, but you could just tell based off of that first possession, this team is going to have a difficult time with setting the edge. And it didn't look like they were always in position on time. That was kind of my opinion of the defense. It seemed like they were still trying to figure out what their cues were. And I feel like you heard that throughout fall camp that, you know, they're needing to simplify the defense a little bit so that people just know where to go um, so that they can be the athletes that they are. But that's something that's going to have to get figured out. They're going to have to start lining up right because if you line up wrong against an actual team, you line up wrong against Cal, you're going to get burned. Um, and I thought that Pumachan sounds like he got a little banged up and so he wasn't able to run as effectively for the rest of the game. Um, so – I thought the offense was better than I thought. I thought the defense was worse than I thought. Um, 
the secondary was exactly what we thought they would be. And then the front seven, I mean, that was where we thought the weakness of the team was going to be. And it kind of proved to be that way. Um, you know, Jalen McLeod wasn't playing. So that's a fair thing to say. But at the same time, you just don't expect to get run through like uh, UMass was able to run through the defense on Saturday. Yeah, and I definitely think that the the run defense was the biggest concern that everybody really had after the game, which I definitely think is a fair assessment. I will say, though, I do think that they played significantly better after that first drive, although the first drive was bad. I was encouraged by the adjustment that Ron Roberts made quickly. You know, it was like he saw something wasn't working. He changed it, and it started working a little bit better, started rushing corners a little bit, started changing up gaps a little bit, filtering different guys in, especially at the linebacker position. So I do think that that was encouraging to see that Roberts adjusted very quickly to what UMass was doing, and it was a very effective adjustment, and UMass couldn't really do anything past that front first drive on the starters, had two turnovers. So I do think that that was a little bit encouraging, but I do agree that that is probably the biggest question mark that still remains going into next week. But just to read off a little bit of defensive statistics, Eugene Asante led the team in tackles with only six. It was a pretty, you know, widespread, uh, you know, defensive effort, but had half a sack and uh, one and a half tackles for loss. Donovan Kaufman had a huge game with that forced fumble. Uh, on the sack. He had four tackles as well. Griffin speaks with four tackles as well. Keontae Scott and Jalen Simpson also played really well. But I think you saw the corners and the safeties, especially the DBs, all played very well. And I think that that was the biggest thing. And really, I think that my biggest, the thing that I liked the most was you saw the injuries. You saw Caleb Wooden was out possibly a little bit of disciplinary action there. You saw Nehemiah Pritchett and J.D. Ryan were both out because of injury. So Kay and Lee got the nod, true freshman as a starter, and no one has really talked about that in the past couple of days, which I think is great. If you're a DB that comes in and you start and no one talks about you, it means that you did your job. And I only really saw one play where it was a read option and he bit really hard on the quarterback and didn't really play his assignment. And uh, what's his name? The Massachusetts running back kind of got a 15-yard gain out of it. But other than that, I thought he played really well. I thought the DBs were as advertised. The linebackers and the defensive front posed a couple questions. But overall, I don't think it was a bad game at all. And I think that people might be – I don't want to say put it, blowing it out of proportion because that first drive was concerning. But I do think that – the remainder of the game, they did their job. They shut Massachusetts down. They couldn't get anything going on the ground or the air. So defensively, I definitely think that it's kind of a a net neutral where they had their bad moments. They had enough good moments that you're like, all right, we have to wait until they play a more quality opponent to see get a better taste of what they'll be like for the remainder of the season. I agree, but I think that the reason people are overreacting or seeming like they're overreacting is because you already had the seed planted that the defense, specifically the front seven, might not be very effective this year. And then for them to come out and on the first drive show, hey, that was not an effective drive. Obviously, that's not, you know, going to be the entire season. They did make adjustments. I think that, you know, starting in the second quarter, you started to see them collapse in the pocket a lot more. And I felt like we were bringing a lot of blitzes, though. I mean, that that was kind of a change. But also, I think 
there's a psychological component where UMass, you know, has that scripted drive. They know exactly, you know, what they want to do. They've been practicing that for weeks. That's tough because you're trying to run a new defense, you know, and you can't script your first defensive plays. Um, so I want to give the grace there, but at the same time, I thought that the question became a bigger question mark, even though the rest of the game, like if you just if you look at the box score of it, the defense did a great job. And I will say, I thought that you, I thought that the linebackers as a whole may not have had a great game, but I think that there were spots. I thought Eugene Asante had a really good game. I thought that Larry Nixon the third had a really good game. Um, just you know, watching, I thought that they showed some bright spots. I'm intrigued that they were not necessarily the first guys out there, but you know, I mean, that can all just be what the alignment was that UMass ran out there for their first possession. That may not indicate who they think is going to be the starter. Um, so I thought that that was that is fair. It's very fair to see. And I, I think it's also going to be intriguing because if they're able to stop the run this week, I'm going to feel pretty good about it. They, California ran – they had one running back go for like 188 yards. I mean, this running back that Auburn's going to play on Saturday is no joke. You know, I know that it's the Pac-12 and you don't traditionally think about running backs in the Pac-12. He might be the single best running back that will play this year. You know, they may not have the best I agree. room as a whole, but I think individual player-wise, he may be the best back that we play this season. So that'll be a quick test. Um, as far as their quarterback, I don't know if their starting quarterback will be back. Um, he got hurt on their first possession. The other guy came in, and, I mean, he still was, I mean, playing just fine. Um, I'm not as concerned about the their quarterback situation because, like we said, about the – DBs coming in and doing that. I'm really concerned that Cal is a team that wants to run the football and we seem to struggle to stop the run. Um, so we'll see our early on kind of where we stand on defense. Yeah, and I also think that you learn a lot in week one. You learn a lot about, you know, personnel kind of things. And, you know, like we've said, you know, a lot of times we talk about quarterbacks like this that are, you know, just gamers. But that works on the defensive side as well. Like sometimes guys aren't that good in practice. They come into a game, they look really good. And so you're definitely going to see more guys, you're going to see more guys being subbed in at times. And the benefit of having really good DBs is if you trust them, you can leave them out on an island a little bit more and bring another guy in to stop the run. And so if you trust guys like DJ James, Keontae Scott, Jalen Simpson to do their job, then, you know, you can have an extra linebacker in or you can move Kaufman down like they did a lot on Saturday. So I definitely think that they're, they'll are they have the adjustments ready, I think. And also you got guys like Keldrick Falk. You know, he, he got great reviews all fall camp, comes in, and he really didn't play much in the first half, but in the second half he played really well. So you might see a little bit more of him. You might see more, you know, subbing, get guys like Justin Rogers. They subbed a lot, and I think that they might – try and let guys stay in a little bit to keep in the rhythm. Obviously, people are still trying to get into the game shape and stuff like that. But I, I do think that this Cal game will be the test. And I think that if they can make Cal look like a normal team on the ground, it'll it'll satisfy a lot of my concerns. Because I, I don't think that Cal Cal's running game is going to be so much worse than a team like, say, A&M or – Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, or even Arkansas. And I, I, think, I think that that's the biggest thing. I think they'll be better than every school yeah. you just mentioned, except for A&M. 
and I think that the really I think that Cal and Old Miss because obviously Quinshawn Judkins is a really good player, and I think that the Ole Miss game them being able to run, and I think, but that's those are kind of the exceptions. But overall, if they can make Cal look like a normal team rushing, it'll satisfy a lot of my defensive concerns. So there's a lot to learn, obviously, on the defensive side for Cal. But shifting a little bit more to the offense, we'll start with the the quarterbacks, obviously. Three quarterbacks made an appearance with Peyton Thorne going 10 for 17 for 141 yards, one touchdown, no turnovers. Holden Garner came in late in the game, went two for two with 59 yards, zero touchdowns, zero turnovers. Robbie Ashford, while he was he was two for six, only three passing yards. Um, but he had nine carries for 51 yards and three t- touchdowns on the ground. And to be fair to Robbie, he did have that one really good slant to Javaris Johnson that converted on the first down, but they called that hold that that backed it up and kind of derailed that drive. But, you know, Weather, just kind of give us your thoughts on the quarterbacks. Obviously, you might not, you know, mean as much with Holden Garner because it seems like he's destined to, you know, kind of sit and, and wait his turn a little bit. But with the the Robbie Ashford, Peyton Thorne situation, how did you see that? happening with the red zone Robbie came in pretty much every red zone drive scored a touchdown what 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 were your thoughts on the Robbie versus Peyton kind of kind of clash throughout the game I thought that Peyton looked much better than I was expecting him to look um I was not expecting him to be able to run the ball as effectively as he ran the ball um I was not expecting him to be as physical as he was running the ball I was not expecting I thought he would be more of a slide get out of bounds kind of guy he was I mean, sticking his nose in there. I don't know that I necessarily love to see that based off of his size. He's not the biggest guy in the world. And so when you get to SEC play, I think you want to see him start to take a slide, uh, go ahead and step out of bounds. I mean, unless it's like right at the first down. But you know what I'm saying? Like you don't need to take those unnecessary hits when you're not one of these really big quarterbacks. So I thought his ball looked really good. He has a little bit of air. He definitely puts a lot of air on his uh, 50-50 ball. That I, I don't know that it's a terrible thing. There was one 50-50 ball that, if you're playing an SEC team, probably gets picked. It was on the first or second drive, I want to say, where he kind of underthrows the 50-50 ball. And I think Javaris ended up catching the pass, but he just kind of mossed that guy. Like, if it was a real team, it it hung there, and they both kind of stood there, and then Javaris just timed his jump better. So that was an interesting thing to see from Peyton. I thought that Robbie, being as competitive as the quarterback battle was, I was expecting that his passing would have been far improved. I thought you saw in the second half when he actually took over the offense that his passing is not much improved especially when he was throwing intermediate to deep balls. I think that he has found his place perfectly as red zone Robbie. I think it's really hard to stop in the red zone. Everybody, you know, not everybody. A lot of people, though, are saying, oh, it's UMass against two. Well, Robbie was really good in the red zone last year. Like, people forget that. You think back to that Mississippi State game, it is really hard for teams to defend if you are – running the ball with the quarterback because you have 10 other guys blocking. And if you have an offensive line that's getting a little bit of push, that creates gaps. And Robbie is a guy that's quick enough that he can shift into wherever the offensive line is making a way for him. I think Robbie in the red zone, having Holden, or not having Holden, having Peyton between the 20s could be something that works. 
And I think that that is a way that the two quarterback system can work really well. I think that if you're switching off drives, that kind of gets to that toxic, hard to get momentum going. You look back though, watching Swamp Kings, Chris Lee, Tim Tebow, that's what they did with Tim Tebow. Different style where Tim was just going to run it up the middle, but you're doing the same thing with Robbie. He can hit the edge. He can go up the middle. He's put on a good bit of weight, I thought, just looking at him, where he's going to be pretty durable this year. I think that the two-quarterback system is going to work just fine, personally, and I think that it's going to be the way that the system runs. I don't expect there to be a guy that just plays the entire game and you never see anybody else because I don't think Robbie is an effective enough passer to have a long-term passing game. Um, you know, I had the hot take that Peyton Thorne was going to be a trivia question in a couple weeks, and that's just not true. Robbie just can't throw the ball effectively enough, and we have receivers that now can catch the ball, and it makes sense to have a quarterback out there that's actually hitting them. So, no, as far as the quarterbacks go, I think you're going to see red zone Robbie for the rest of the year. I, I think – I think you might be overreacting a little bit. I do think that Rob, obviously Robbie in the red zone was really good. And I think we saw the the floor of what Robbie's role in the offense will be in the short yard situations. It, it it did remind me a lot of the Tebow situation on if there is a fourth and one, Robbie's going to be the quarterback. Because even if you hand it off, they'll just have Robbie be the one to hand it off, you know? So I, I definitely think that that will be an interesting wrinkle to the offense. And I do think that it can be very effective. With the passing, though, I think that it might be a little unfair to say that Robbie has not progressed as a passer because I do think that we did see throws. He did, he only threw seven passes on the day, counting the one that he completed but got called back. And really, it you didn't really see much. He had the two where he threw up. I mean, it was throwing up the fade to Caleb Burton one-on-one. I, I mean, I, I think that those were – you could make the argument that he threw just as good of a ball to Caleb Burton that holding through to Malcolm Johnson later in the game, but it was just one of the guys caught it, one of the guys didn't. And we either shaking his head, he disagrees no, with me. But the, I, the first I don't think ball that Robbie threw was an opposite. Was bad. The first it one, literally yes. spiraled the wrong way. It was the most dying. Duck the first one was bad in my life. The first one was not great. The second one was fine. And my thing is that's not that's not Robbie's game. We know that. But if you see, like, I, I was more interested to see if Robbie what Robbie can do on those back shoulder throws that Peyton was hitting, and Peyton looked great on those. And I think that that is something that was the nicest thing to see because that was something that Robbie couldn't do last year. TJ couldn't do when it was you're just throwing it to where your guy is going to be, and you know where he's going to be. You have that timing. Shane Hooks had that one catch down there, and then Thorne had that scramble drill that was pretty nice, but. Overall, I don't think that Robbie is just buried. I think that he is still fighting for this job. I think that if he is given the keys to the whole offense, that is when you can really make a distinction on what's happening and what's not. Um, But overall, I do think that we saw, at the very least, what Robbie can do in the red zone and having those kind of guys where you can have your running back be a lead blocker. And if your quarterback is an effective runner, it is the most – effective way to run the ball in football I mean it's literally you have the most possible players blocking for you and so I definitely think that that can be an option overall I I would like to see what Peyton Thorne does in the red zone I wouldn't love to see you know Robbie go in every time we're in the red zone because then it's kind of like well if Robbie gets hurt and Thorne hasn't operated once in the red zone all season 
that can be a problem. So I'll be interested to see how Hugh kind of manages that. And really, that's a big difference you'll see against UMass. Because against UMass, they're like, A, we have enough points. And B, even if we don't, it's going to work. You know, you look at the guys, you're like, if we are just running the ball at the five-yard line and we have four downs to do it, we're going to score. And that's not going to be the case against some of these other teams. So I'll be interested to see how Robbie's role shifts from game to game. But overall, I think that I, I do think that Robbie is still fighting for this job. I really do. But moving into the uh, the the either what 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 do you think? I'll let you retort everything I just said. I think I think that Peyton is going to have to continue to make bad decisions. Hugh's biggest thing is making the decisions. I mean, he said in his press conference today. He expects the quarterbacks, and I mean, this is a little bit high, to make 100% of the right decisions. He said, or at least in the high 90s. And I don't think he was pleased with Thorne's decision-making. I think he was like, there were too many times that he just missed it. Um, he did give him a little bit of a break. There was one play where uh, Javaris just was totally uncovered, and he was like, that was on us. We didn't expect that to happen. Like, when in a football game do you expect your receiver to just not have a DB on him? Um, other than that, though, I think Thorne is going to have to make a lot of bad decisions. And, Robbie, you just can't have a pass, Noble, that looks like a dying duck like that if you're the starting quarterback. It's it like it's going to get picked. It is ugly. It's hard to catch. It is not an effective way to throw the ball. I agree that the slant route looked good. I thought that his little out route to the running backs and bubble screens looked good too. But those are behind the line of scrimmage. Like the expectation of what they asked him to throw was not that high. And I didn't think that the productivity – I mean, think about how Holden's passes – yes, they were 50-50 balls to Malcolm, and Malcolm wouldn't made a play. But the way the ball looks going to the receiver, it's a catchable ball. That's the difference, is how catchable is the ball and how consistent do you throw a catchable ball? I agree, and I don't think – I I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I do think it is unfair to judge a quarterback based off of two passes in the entirety of a football game because I think that you seem – because the the short passes are what Robbie's bread and butter is going to do. And let's be honest, we're expecting Robbie – to be Nick Marshall. That is what we are like. If Robbie is Nick Marshall, we think he should be the starter. Nick Marshall had a lot of throws where you were like, whoa, that didn't look good. And sometimes he got there. But, I mean, Nick Marshall throughout the 2013 season had some throws where you were like, that was a bad throw. Glad it didn't get picked. Let's go to the next play. So I I think that we need to cut Robbie a little bit of slack. Obviously, and we're cutting Peyton some slack. I mean, he had that throw to Tyler Fromm where in the moment you couldn't really tell who messed up, but it seems, judging by, you know, press conferences and Hughes' reaction two plays later, it seems like, you know, Thorne threw a back shoulder ball. It wasn't supposed to be a back shoulder ball. That's a missed touchdown. The very next play, he throws the ball on the RPO, throws the, the you know, fade to Camden Brown, overthrows him. But if he hands it off, it's a hat on a hat right there, and then it's Damari wide open, assuming that your offensive line holds their blocks. So that was the wrong read that Peyton had. So, I mean, that's back-to-back plays, a touchdown that could have been scored that didn't get scored because of Peyton Thorne's incorrect decision. And obviously we put in Robbie, and Robbie scores the touchdown, but you don't have that luxury to miss two straight touchdowns on plays against better opponents. So I think that that's really the balance of, you know, if Peyton Thorne is going to make the wrong decision, you know, 
20% of the time, and Robbie's going to make the right decision 90% of the time, but his passing isn't as good, which do you prefer? Do you prefer to be able to game plan for a guy when you know what pa- what throws he can make, what throws he can't, or do you game plan for the guy that, well, he might not make the right decision? And so I think that in a week one synopsis of it, it's difficult to make the comparison, and I think that that's why week two, you really have to do go into it with the same mindset that you did have with Thorne and Robbie being neck and neck, both getting opportunities to actually run the offense and to actually thrive before you can make a legitimate decision based on the remainder of the season. Well, it sounds to me like what you basically just said is Thorne makes 10% worse decisions than Robbie but then he completes 10% more passes. So it's a wash. As of right now, it's a wash as to who played a better game, in your opinion. I would say overall, I would say that Peyton Thorne played a better game with a much larger sample size. Now, when Robbie was carrying the ball as a running back, he looked phenomenal. And obviously, you know, you can't, it's so difficult to compare because there are some throws that you know they're not going to ask Robbie to make. But then there are so many plays that Robbie has where you know they would never have Peyton Thorne in that situation. So it's it's the give and take, and that's why it's so difficult to compare the two in my eyes. But overall, I would put Thorne – I would say Thorne had a better game because of his larger sample size, although I thought Robbie played very well. That's fair. I'll give you that. That's fair. Yeah. So also to moving to the the running back area – Obviously, you know, we kind of started figuring out Jarquez was not going to be playing week one. His status is still up in the air for week two. Hugh Free spoke to the media today and did not he wouldn't he wouldn't say anything about Jarquez. He also mentioned a little bit of injury updates uh, that I think it was Nick Mardner, Nehemiah Pritchett, um, Austin Keys, and Jalen McLeod are all listed as questionable for Cal. So hopefully we can get as many of those guys back as possible. But regardless, Jarquez didn't play and like we predicted, we did not need him. Obviously, Sean Jackson led the team in carry or led the team in yards, five carries for 64 yards and a touchdown. Jeremiah Cobb, the true freshman, with five carries and 57 yards and another touchdown. Damari Alston, who got the nod to start, had eight carries for 43 yards and a touchdown. And Brian Batty, the USF transfer, ended up matching Damari with carries, with eight carries for 31 yards, as well as a couple really solid returns that put Auburn in uh, good field position. Weather, give us your thoughts on kind of the running back room and some guys that surprised you and kind of what what did you think about how that running back room looked in week one? I thought the running back room looked great in week one. I didn't think that any of the running backs looked bad. I thought Brian Batty was better than I was expecting in the return game. I mean, I knew he was a return specialist, but that first return to start the game off, I mean, he is elite. He's going to take something to the house. Uh, I thought Damari played a great game. I think he has really good vision. I thought he ran strong. There was that one third down that, honestly, he probably should have gotten tackled two yards behind the line of scrimmage. He was able to get a spin move, break a couple tackles, and get the first down. I am intrigued that Damari was wearing free 27 on his tape. That almost sounds to me like it's not the Auburn coaches that are saying that Demari, or that Jarquez cannot play. And I think that for Jarquez playing in the future, that might be a little concerning. I think everybody was under the assumption that he was fully cleared to play and that the coaches were making the decision to hold him out. I cannot imagine Damari would be wearing free 27 if the coaches were holding Jarquez back. 
But, again, that could just be me reading into something, and that is not the truth, and it is the coaches doing a suspension, and he just wanted to let the coaches know he didn't agree with their decision. It just doesn't sound like – do you see where that doesn't necessarily line up? I, I don't know. I thought Jeremiah Cobb had a great showing. We kind of expected him to be uh, a really good back while he was at Auburn. And then I was just happy that Sean Jackson got a touchdown um, being at Auburn for so long, putting in all that work to finally get a score, I think, was really good for him. Yeah, and I mean, it, you know, as to the Jarquez situation, I mean, I really don't know really what to think about it. But at the end of the day, I it, it's it's bad to say this. I really don't think it matters. Like, I think Jarquez makes some really good plays, and he will help the team, obviously. But the running back room is so good that truly I think that – like, I think that Jeremiah Cobb right now is better than Jarquez was as a true freshman in 2021. And we were all, you know, enamored with Jarquez backing up tank and was that one-two punch. And remember, you know, early in the season, Jarquez kind of had his really like, oh, wow, this guy's good moment against Penn State when he played really well in that game. You know, do we see a Jeremiah Cobb really – making a difference in this running back. Obviously this running back room is significantly better than that 2021 group was as a, as a whole. But I mean, I think we saw great things from Jeremiah Cobb and even Sean Jackson, like Sean Jackson would start at other sec teams. Like he is a really, really good running back. And if you told me that we had, you know, a a backfield of Sean Jackson and Jeremiah Cobb, and even, you know, the third guy was Justin Jones, I'd feel better than I did in our from our running backs in 2018 and 2019. So, I, I mean, overall, I don't think that our running backs are are bad at all. I think that even without Jarquez, this is still an incredible group. And obviously you saw, I mean, Sean Jackson averaged 13 yards a carry. Jeremiah Cobb averaged 11. Damari averaged five. I mean, it, it, you know, it's stupid numbers from those guys. So, overall, I I think we would love to have Jarquez back. That would be great if Jarquez could be the guy, be the guy getting you know the brunt of the carries. But at the end of the day, I'm very confident in this running back room to make plays. And I think that even if Jarquez is not playing on Saturday, I don't think it'll impact the run game at all. I don't think Cal's defense is good enough to really make that difference where you need that experience in Jarquez. I think the offensive line is going to open up holes. And I think that the guys are going to be able to, they're going to be putting the opportunities to make plays against California. I think the only thing we're unsure of, and I think you can assume that they will be good at it, is catching passes out of the backfield. There were no throws to the running back. And we talked about this in the offseason. And I understand why you're not going to throw to the running back. Brian Batty, I'm just going to assume that he's good at catching the ball out of the backfield and going and making a play with it because, I mean, he's a great returner. I mean, he's great when he gets space. So I could see him being good at it. Damari, same thing. I think that, that honestly, you think most running backs are good at it. The problem with Tank is he had trouble catching the ball. Like, Tank was good with the ball after he caught it. He just didn't catch it all the time. And he didn't have that top-end, like, hurry up acceleration speed that I think all of the guys in the room have right now. And I think that's the difference is this is a very quick running back room that even, I mean, Batty's your burner guy, but all of the other guys still have that top end speed. Probably the only one that doesn't have that top end speed is Sean Jackson, but he's still, he's a bigger back. And so he fills that other role and you don't need him to have the top end speed. So no, I think that the running backs, I mean, there was nothing that you could have seen on Saturday 
or say from Saturday that the running backs did not look just as good as advertised. I thought that they played a phenomenal game. I agree. And, yeah, I, I feel like we're just kind of glossing over that performance. But, I mean, overall, there's not much you can say against UMass. And, and it really is – you wish that all of them could play because they're all so talented. But, obviously, you know, you're probably going to cut that down to three guys getting a lot of carries going into, you know, SEC play. I would imagine Cobb, if no one gets hurt, I would imagine Cobb might get a red shirt. Uh, but, I mean, overall, Jeremiah Cobb will be a great running back for Auburn in, in future years. So, overall, great performance from the running backs. I think the receiver surprised a lot of people. Javaris Johnson especially surprised me. Uh, he, he had a lot of moments where he was catching balls. They had a lot more routes that were – you know, he was actually running routes. It felt like under, you know, the previous administration, he just kind of ran goes and, and screens and didn't really do anything else. Um, but obviously he had that slant. He had the 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 big play, the 33-yard reception that was really solid. Overall, I thought Javaris played a really good game. Shane Hooks had a couple catches that were pretty nice. He had that one on the scramble drill, keeping his feet in bounds. That was good. Uh, but Weather, why don't you give us your thoughts a little bit on the 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 Auburn receiving core guys that surprised you, and who do you really think is gonna be that X factor guy next week against Cal? I thought Jay Fair also had a really good game. I, I don't want to go over him. I thought, I mean, it's like you said; those I think those three guys had really really strong games, and we kind of had heard about Jay Fair and Shane Hooks. I was surprised by how well Javaris played. Um, I think you look to see if Camden Brown can step up as he's starting to recover from injury next week and solidify his place. I also think you look for the tight ends to get targeted a little bit more next week. I think that that was more intentional based off of not wanting to show your hand because you could have done whatever you wanted this week and you've got a tough game next week. And so why would you show that you have that when, if you don't have to, uh, because there were not a lot of routes that the tight ends ran. I mean, the only one that you can really think back to is from being wide open um, and getting missed. But I thought the receivers were better. It's like I said early in the podcast, catching the ball. There were no blatant drops. I thought that, you know, they even made some plays that you were not expecting them to make. So it was not just that we did exactly what we were supposed to do on the ones we were supposed to catch. I thought that they went out and they actually made some plays and I think that the passing game will be something that we can rely on a little bit later in the season, and it won't be where teams can just stack the box the entire year. I think we'll still be a run-dominant team, but it'll just be like a normal run-dominant offense where you actually have receivers who can go and catch the ball. And like if you need to have a slant route, you can have the slant route. It's not going to be an act of God to get a slant route completed. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, was impressed by how the receivers played, by the development of those guys. Excited to see what, they, what they'll bring further into the season. But before we wrap up this podcast, just give me your offensive and defensive MVP for that week one victory. I'm going to say Damari, offensive MVP. Actually, no. I'm going to give it to the whole offensive line. All eight guys – rotating in and out if we can do the eight guy rotation that would just be really really good I think I think that Hugh is going to really try and press the gas pedal he obviously eased up a little bit you know we had the whole Auburn fast thing with Gus and ended up not running the hurry up that fast like we would hurry up to the line and then stand there for 20 or so seconds the hurry up no huddle has come back to Auburn 
when they're running at the pace they want to, I mean, it's like 10 seconds between plays where they're actually snapping the ball. And if you can substitute and the UMass entire, is, Say what? Yeah, and UMass's defense was in disarray the whole time. They had no idea what was going. They, were, they weren't covering people. I mean, not being able to sub completely messed them up. Yeah, I mean, he is basically running uh, utility – offense and I thought that on that first drive just being able to switch guys off and you have so many different formations you basically just bring in a bunch of guys that are very similar to one another and you run the same offense and it's a very wide offense with one set of personnel and I think that that's a super innovative way of doing things and it makes it very difficult because defenses want to substitute the person who I thought of immediately Nick Saban Kirby Smart, they love to substitute. They love to put that certain guy in. They have them trained up on that. That is going to be huge. So offensive line being able to rotate in and out like that, that's going to be my offensive MVP. Defensive MVP has to be Jalen Simpson after his fumble recovery and pick six. I thought he played an awesome game. We shouted him out saying that him at safety actually gives him a chance at the NFL, I think. I mean, that will be the first of many games where he has multiple turnovers. Yeah, uh, I completely agree. I think my offensive MVP has got to go to Sean Jackson. Being a guy, you know, waited his turn. He got 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 in the game and just made some plays, scored that touchdown. It was awesome to see. Played really solid. Um, defensive MVP. You know, I don't want to don't want to say the same guy as you, but it it's difficult to watch that game and not say that Jalen Simpson was the MVP. But I'll, since you gave it to Simpson, I'll give it to Donovan Kaufman, who also played a phenomenal game, may have been a little bit overshadowed by Simpson's flashiness of his play. But Kaufman played really solid, came in, got a lot of the – I mean, brought pressure a lot, had a couple QB hurries, obviously had the the forced fumble on the strip sack. He played just a really phenomenal game. So, again, just – that DB room as a whole, even with injuries, kind of depleting the numbers a little bit. There was no drop-off whatsoever. The group is so deep. They just put in new guys, and those guys made plays. So, overall, I, I thought the DBs especially were just the, the best group performance from from this week. And, you know, it's 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 fun to be able to break down Auburn football again. You know, we're, we're back into the swing of things, being able – you know, our next podcast will be prepping for that, that Cal game a little bit. But – it's exciting that Auburn football is back and that they are, you know, ready to win some football games. One and no mentality. Yeah. Hey, that's all you got to do is just win them all. And then you win a championship. Just keep on doing what they did. That's that's right. Quote of the day from Weather. You just got to win the games. But uh, yeah, but <laughs> thank you guys. You know, we we appreciate we appreciate the listens. We appreciate. All you guys who download the podcast means the world to us. But as always, thank you guys so much for listening and War Eagle. War Eagle.